Um, this morning, we're going to hop into a, a number of verses uh, around the theme of waiting. And every week or you know, once in a while, I'll talk to you about the app that, uh, where you can get all of our verses. And so if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can uh, click on that uh, this morning. Go to the Bible app and click in the bottom right-hand corner and click on More, which will take you to the following screen. And then in the middle, click on Events. And there you will see Restoration Church and uh, the date today. And then if you click on Restoration Church, you'll see that uh, screen up there. Uh, and that has a number of verses that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about waiting. And in all honesty, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, no one really likes to wait. Does anybody like to wait in this room? Does anybody like look for that longest line in the store and just say, like, that's my line. I'm going to stand in that line. No, we, we don't like waiting because really at the heart of it, we think like when we're waiting or when we're, um, if there's a long line, that there's something wrong, that there's something wrong maybe with the cashier, like they're, they're having trouble with their machine, or we think if we are waiting that something is wrong. I think about the, the phrase, you know, you maybe have heard this as a kid, um, wait until your dad gets home. That never had a positive tone to it, like never like, I, I even hate that when, uh, like, Cece will talk to the kids, like, wait till your dad gets home. I'm like, why do I have to be the bad guy? Like, why can't it be like he's bringing candy home or something or, you know, bringing, you know, good things home? Wait until your dad gets home. Or, you know, if you have your car in the shop and the person at the shop calls you and says, it's going to be a couple more hours. That's never, like, good news, is it? It's never like, hey, they're going to go detail your car and get it back to you. No, it's like there's a couple more parts that they need to replace. Waiting means to us today that something is wrong. I remember um, years ago being at a restaurant, and the service was so poor. And uh, we went there with a couple of uh, families, and... Um, they were busy, but uh, they took our order pretty quickly, and they said, all right, we'll bring it out uh, soon. An hour went by. There was no food, and we were, had kids and little kids at the time. Like You knew that in the waiting something was wrong, and what actually became worse is they brought out a couple meals, and some people started to eat, and then they're like, for the rest of the meals, they're like, yeah, we simply can't do it. Sorry, we failed. Like In the waiting, you knew it pointed to the reality that something is wrong something's wrong. Like we, we think about that we, when it comes to waiting, when it comes to this world that we live in where everything is instant and now we think if we have to wait any considerable time that something is wrong. I mean right now you could hop on Amazon on your phone, I'm not saying you do this, you could order something and it'll be at your house this afternoon. Like things happen quickly. And so this whole conversation, this whole topic of waiting, all of a sudden it's like waiting in this world. Well, if I have to wait, if I'm even waiting uh, in my relationship with the Lord, then something must be off. But you look all throughout Scripture, and we're going to look at that uh, in a little bit. Waiting, we're a waiting people. All throughout Scripture, people waited. In the last uh, week, Sarai put up this that, that picture of a couple different people that waited, not just a year or two years, but for a long time. And I have another list, uh, even more people that waited all throughout Scripture. Go to Genesis 6. I mean, you don't have to go there, but Noah waited 120 years, building the ark, given those instructions to build the ark. And he did, but he waited and waited and waited and had to hear people joke and laugh. And what are you doing? Why are you doing this? He waited 120 years. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. God appeared to them in Genesis 12. At 75 years old, God appeared to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you uh, numerous descendants. 
The only problem was they didn't have one descendant. And so for 25 years, they waited. And Scripture says when they were 100 years old, when they were as good as dead, the Lord came through. One of my favorites is Isaac. Isaac waited 20 years, prayed for 20 years for his wife to have a child. And this one always throws me because if you go to Genesis 25, I have this verse up on the screen. If we read Scripture, we think that waiting actually isn't in Scripture because we look at this verse and this verse, Genesis 25, verse 21 says this, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. If you stop right there, you think, wow, he prayed and it happened. It happened so quick. But then you read a couple verses later and this is what it says. Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth. Either she had a very long pregnancy <laughs> or they waited. For 20 years, he waited, praying and crying out to the Lord. Because his wife was without a child. I mean, just you can feel that pain. And for 20 years, just nonstop crying out to the Lord. There's more on that list. Go back to that list, Piper. Joseph, we know his story. Waited 13 years. I'm going to get back to him. Moses waited 40 years. David waited 12 years between the time that he was anointed king before he became king. 12 years of running for his life. Saul wanting to kill him. Other people trying to take the throne. And he's like, wait, I was anointed king. For 12 years, he waited. The Christmas story is filled with waiting. Look at the next slide. Elizabeth and Zechariah, John the Baptist's parents, they were older. Older, They were without children. And they prayed for numerous years that they would conceive and have a child. They waited. Mary waited. When she heard the news for nine months, waiting, what's going to happen? Joseph waited to see if all of this was real. We see that there were other people, Simon and Anna, who were at the temple, waited. They were promised that they would see the Messiah, and they waited. And then also in Luke, it says, the people waited for the redemption of Jerusalem. Waiting is all throughout the story. Waiting even happened as Jesus came to earth and interacted with people. There's a whole other slide of, of names. Mary and Martha waited. Mary and Martha had a brother, Lazarus who got really, really sick, and they knew that Jesus could heal him, but Jesus waited two days to get to their house, and the result was Lazarus died. And Mary and Martha approached Jesus, and they said, if you would have come earlier, he wouldn't have died. Why didn't you come early? But they waited. And then Jesus rose him from the dead. I like this one. Jairus waited. Jairus, who had a young girl, 12 years old, who was so sick, almost at the brink of death, and he, she, he pleaded with Jesus, come to my house, come to my house. And, and Jesus said, okay, I'm going to come to your house. But on the way, he got distracted by a woman who had waited for 12 years. 12 years to be healed, 12 years dealing with a condition of blood. And she pushed through the crowd and instantly she was healed. But because Jesus took the time with her, Jairus' daughter died. But then Jesus eventually went to his house and raised her from the dead. Think of the man who was born blind, older gentleman, born blind. For years, he waited to receive his sight. And then even the disciples, they waited, waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. All throughout Scripture, we see that people wait. We see that people are just waiting. Even we see, next slide, that God waits. God waits. 
You think about 2 Peter 3, verse 9. It says that God is not slow to fulfill His promise, but He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish. God is slow to send His Son Jesus to come back because His heart beats for people to come into relationship with Him through His Son Jesus. I think of uh, the prodigal son and the story there. We get the picture of the father who's looking for his son to return. It's another picture of the father waiting. God waits. And we in this room, we wait. We wait. Sarai talked about last week. 14 years, was it? 14 years, is that the number? Waiting. Receiving a word from the Lord and waiting for it to come to pass. I look around this room and there are so many stories of people who have seen tremendous things. The Lord moving in powerful ways. But still there are things that you're waiting for. Waiting for a child to come into your life. Waiting for a child to give his or her life to Jesus. Waiting for transformation in your life. I mean, there's so many things that we are waiting for. We are a waiting people. And I want you to know this morning that there is a lie that we tend to think. And we think this, and this is the lie, that waiting means something is wrong. No, waiting is, doesn't mean that something's wrong. Waiting mean that it means that God is working. God is working in ways that we're not seeing. See, the problem is we think waiting like something is wrong. And when we're in this period of waiting, we believe that something may be wrong with us. Or something may be wrong with others. Or, or even something may be wrong with God. And if we get caught up in that lie that something is wrong, it tends us to, to do things that, that we shouldn't do. Like I think of Abraham and Sarah in their waiting. They thought, oh, God must, uh, something must be wrong with God, and so let's figure out another plan. And they sinned. See, waiting doesn't mean that something's wrong. It means that God is working in ways that we're not seeing. See, because I love the story about Joseph. And in Acts 7, verse 9, there's a powerful phrase. There's a powerful verse. And Stephen, a, a man who's standing up and he's preaching and he's teaching and he's going to uh, lose his life at the end of this, this message. And he's talking about the history of Israel. And he highlights Joseph. And he says, And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into slavery. And just stay right there. We know the story of Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers, thrown into a pit. Thrown into a pit because they were just disgusted with him. Because he was the favorite child and he shared with them a dream and they got jealous and they threw him into a pit. Sold him into slavery. He was purchased by a man named Potiphar, Potiphar, Potiphar and he worked in his house and he was really successful. But then all of a sudden he's thrown into prison because of something that he didn't do. And there for years he sat in prison. And even in prison he was, uh, he was at work and the Lord was working through him and he's uh, interpreting dreams. And one person, he interprets a dream, he says, you're going to get out tomorrow. And, and this cupbearer gets out and, and he said, when you get out, I want you to remember me. Well, the guy didn't remember him. And so for years, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, Joseph experienced. But it says this in the next little phrase. It says, the patriarchs jealous of Joseph sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. God was with him. God was with him in the waiting that changes everything. But God was with him in the waiting. And if God was with him, then God was working in the waiting. And we know that if God is working, he's working all things for the good, for those who love him. And so here was this picture that in the midst of the waiting, waiting doesn't mean that something is wrong. Waiting means that God is at work in ways that we can't see. God is at work. 
And so waiting isn't wasted. And so we have to have this new perspective on waiting. And I want to share just a couple of verses, actually a number of verses, um, to get a better perspective on waiting. Like in Scripture, we see uh, this great invitation to wait. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 22. Proverbs verse, uh, 20, verse 22 says this, Do not say, I will repay evil. It said, wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. Or Psalm 27, verse 14, a beautiful psalm filled with so many uh, verses that we have read before, that we know before, verses that talk about the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Even David saying, one thing I ask, this is what I seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he gets to the end of the chapter and he says this, wait for the Lord. In Psalm 27, verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Or Psalm 37, verses 1 through 9. Again of David, he says this, Don't worry about the wicked, or envy those who do wrong. In Psalm 37. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your, desire, your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. He will make your innocence radiate, radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. You see it in there? Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. I mean, this is what we are to do. Wait for the Lord. But waiting isn't just um, sitting in a waiting room flipping through dated magazines. Waiting isn't being filled with angry or worrying about different things. No, waiting, and you see this in this passage, waiting is this anticipation. Waiting is, is hope. Waiting is an expectation that God is going to move. Waiting is this desire, this longing for something better. Waiting is walking by faith and not by sight. Waiting is trusting and believing that God can and will move. Waiting is believing that there's nothing wrong with God, that with God all things are possible. Does that describe your life? Is your life more waiting, like you're sitting in a waiting room at the doctor's office and they got those dated magazines and you're just like, Ugh. or is your life described by this waiting of just filled with hopeful expectation of God to move? I mean, that's what waiting is, is waiting on your toes and like, oh, something's going to happen. God is going to move. God is going to surprise us. God is going to break through at any moment. His kingdom is going to come in a powerful way. There's this hopeful expectation that we are invited into as followers of Jesus. This has to mark our lives. We have to be a people of waiting, of, of waiting again, not in disgust, but waiting in desperate expectation that God is going to move. And here's the encouragement. Because here's what God does in the waiting. Look at Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, verse 4. I love this verse. It says, For the, since the world began, 
No ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you. Isaiah is saying, you are so different. You're so different than, than other gods that people worship. No eye has seen, no ears heard like a God like you. Who does what? Who works for those who wait for him. God works for those who wait for him. Who are longing for him. Who are filled with expectation that he's going to move. I mean, just picture that. The God in heaven, God in heaven the, the, the all-powerful the one, is working for you for those who wait for him. God works for you. And that's a powerful picture. And what does he do? Look at Psalm 40. This is what happens as we wait. This is a famous passage on waiting. This is what the Lord does. David is saying this. He says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. What does the Lord do to those who wait? David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. That's not a phrase that we normally use. He inclined to me. What does that mean? He came close. He came near with favor, looking favorably on David. He looks favorably on those who wait for him, whose trust and faith and hope is in him. And what does he do? He hears the cries of those who wait. He drew David up out of the pit, set his feet upon a rock. This is absolutely powerful. Not only does God work for us, he draws near to those who wait for him. He comes close. He listens to those who wait for him. And those who wait, he strengthens. This is a a popular verse, a verse that we know out of Isaiah 40. It says this, Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. There's always more that we can know about God. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But here's the promise. This is what the Lord does. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Doesn't that sound good? Like the Lord says, those who wait for Him, He's going to renew their strength. He's going to mount up their wings like eagles. He's going to cause them to run and not grow tired. I love that picture in there. It says, yeah, young people get tired. You know, we, there's, we, we know young people in our lives. They can go, 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 go. But there always comes a time, believe it or not, when Zane crashes. When he's asleep, when he's like, oh, and he needs his strength, his energy renewed. That happens to young and old. But the promise is that as we wait on the Lord, as we have this anticipation for the Lord, that he renews our strength, that he fills us. And so often what he does in the waiting times of our lives in those waiting seasons, what He does in our lives is so much more important than the thing that we're waiting for. I mean, I think there's some things that we are waiting for that are really good. I mean, seeing our kids come to, to faith in Jesus, you know, is worth waiting for. It's worth crying out to the Lord for. 
Longing for people to be healed, longing for uh, things to happen in our world is so vital and so important. But as we wait, as we cry out the Lord, what I have found, there are things that he wants to remove in me that can only happen in those seasons of waiting. I think about Moses who waited 40 years, went from Egypt and the luxuries of Egypt to the desert. And we're like, wow, 40 years. But I think the work that the Lord was doing in Moses in that time, pulling Egypt out of Moses, like was so important. In your season of waiting, we in America, we like to get people out of their waiting so quickly, out of those desert seasons. But I have to ask, should we? Should we be quick to get people out of those desert seasons? Because the Lord wants to do so much in our lives in those seasons where it feels like we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. I mean, waiting is so important. I mean, God is at work in powerful ways. And here is the promises that he gives to those who wait. Here's some more verses. God promises to those who wait. Lamentations 3. I love this passage. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Or Psalm 25, verses 3-5. through five. Indeed, though none who wait for you shall be put to shame. You're not going to be embarrassed. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. And then Psalm 62. I want to read this one. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. You know, read a passage like that, and God's speaking about those who are waiting. What are the promises that He shares as we wait? as those who wait on the Lord, that He is our salvation, that He is our rock, that He is our fortress, that we will not be shaken. We often think that waiting is weakness, but waiting is actually strength when we wait on the Lord because we will not be shaken when our hearts and our minds are set firmly on the Lord who doesn't disappoint and doesn't put us to shame. Is your life marked by a waiting on the Lord? A waiting that is filled with faith. A waiting that is not giving up. A waiting that is constantly seeking the Lord, even if you're not seeing things that you want to see. Is your life marked by this waiting on the Lord like David so often is like, I'm seeking the Lord in everything. That He is going to, to set my feet on firm ground. He is going to restore my soul. He is my salvation. He is my light. I will not be destroyed. I think the thing that I want to encourage us with today is that I know there are things in our life that we're waiting for. Things that we haven't seen. We long to see so much more. And I know that the Lord will want to say to us today, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep waiting on the Lord. Keep having faith. Keep being filled with hope and expectation. A couple Wednesdays ago, Rebecca shared a verse out of Zechariah 9. 
And I'll probably share more about this on, uh, on Christmas Eve. But in there is this phrase. And the phrase says, be prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. That's such a powerful phrase. Something that I can't get my mind, uh, I can't get out of my mind. We have to be a people who are so filled with hope and expectation that at any moment the Lord can come crashing in, that at any moment His kingdom can come in powerful ways. I think so often we are prisoners to other things. We're prisoners to addiction. We're prisoners to despair and anxiety and worry and anger and all of that stuff. All the things of the world. But God says, be a prisoner of hope, knowing that any moment I can come crashing in. And so I want us as a people not to give up. I was really encouraged a couple weeks ago by something that I saw online, and I'm going to show you a video. But before I show you this video, I need to preface this. Don't focus on the Michigan football player. So you who are Michigan fans, don't focus on the Michigan football player. Focus on the kid from Iowa. This happened in the Big Ten Championship game. And I know like even females in here are like, oh great, a football video. It's actually really encouraging. There is a kid who doesn't give up. And I think this should describe our lives. Go ahead and show it, Piper. Watch the red arrow. There's some audio to it, but I... I want you to see this again, and you can play the audio. But this kid runs the whole length of the football field, gets pushed on the ground, doesn't give up, and chases the play all the way to the end. I mean, he's got to run the length of the football field twice. So here he is. Go show it again. Morgan inside the 10. This makes is the two tackle. people miss. Doesn't Morgan give up. Had a scheme with the seam. Savage Morgan. Watch out. The freshman down the sideline. Morgan knocked out of bounds inside. And I just watched that. And I, I looked at it and I'm like, that's, that's how we should live. Because at the beginning of that play, that, that kid gets thrown to the ground. He's on the ground. He could have been like, oh, I'm done. I, I'm going to give up. I'm, I'm done. Like, I guess this, is, this, this play is over. But instead, he gets back up and he keeps going. And God's heart to us as a people is to keep going. Don't give up. Even when life seems to be filled with despair and darkness, don't give up because there is a new day coming. See, the Christmas story is so powerful to those who are waiting. Christmas is such a time that is filled with hope. And it's such a reminder that at any moment, God can break in. And so for us not to be filled with despair, because Isaiah 9 I mean, we know this passage. Isaiah 9 says this, people who have been walking in darkness, the people who have been walking in deep darkness, waiting for this light to be shown, those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. I just love that. We have to be awaiting people. We are going to be awaiting people. But a people who are waiting on the Lord. A people who are filled with hopeful expectation. Who are not giving up. Who are seeking first the kingdom in every day of our lives. I'm just wondering. We did this a couple weeks ago. We like to pray for one another. 
I'm just wondering, though, if, if there's anybody here today that just needs to be, um, again, I said this a couple weeks ago, but it needs to be filled with hope. This morning we read in our prayer time out of Romans 15, verse 13. And this is a verse that many of you guys know. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That phrase, abound in hope. Not just have a little bit of hope, but abound in hope. Does anybody here this morning want to be filled in that way so that they can abound in hope? Just raise your hand. I'm going to have Josh and the team come up here. Just, is there anybody here today that just wants to abound in hope? Like be so overflowing with hope. And you found yourself recently just more with your head down instead of up. I know that the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly. And he wants to do that this morning. And so would anybody be so humble enough just to say, like, yeah, I need to abound in hope. I need to, I, I, I've been kind of down. And I want to be filled with uh, a lot of hope this morning. Does so anybody here this morning just raise your hand? Anybody want to receive prayer for that? I know Rebecca did. And Steve did. I wonder if we could have a, a couple people gather around them and pray. And I want the rest of us to stand. And we're going to sing this song. But I know that there's others in this room that, that would love to receive prayer. And I'm not going to force anybody to raise their hand. But I do know that there's an opportunity here for us to continue to pray for one another. To be filled with hope this morning. In a season that is dry.